0: Welcome to the History of European Theatre podcast and thanks for joining me on this journey through millennia of theatrical history. For today's bonus episode, it's a welcome return for theatrical professional and author Nick Bromley to take us into the world of theatre ghosts and the strange happenings that they are responsible for. You'll remember from when we talked about his Dictionary of Theatre Terms, an informative and amusing book called Theatre Law that Nick has had a long career in theatre as a stage manager and company stage manager, where he has worked in London's West End and on many UK tours. His book, Stage Ghosts and Haunted Theatres, is an affectionate journey through theatres in London's West End and many of the UK's regional theatres that he knows so well, where he's collected stories about the strange goings-on that happen in theatres and to theatre people. It's packed with not only the ghostly stories – but little nuggets of theatre history and amusing anecdotes from on the stage, from backstage, and from the auditorium. Shakespeare, via Hamlet, said, "There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in our philosophies," and theatre does seem to be the place that proves that. Whether it's a ghostly lady objecting to old furniture being removed, whistling stagehands from the past, frock-coated gents standing in the wings, or a back corridor that's always cold and is frequented by something that's often glimpsed, but never quite seen. Nick travels through the theatres, speaking to people who have experienced such things and are convinced that otherworldly things really do happen in the theatre. You don't have to believe in ghosts to enjoy Nick's book, and you never know. The stories in it might just change your mind. So once again, I'm very pleased to be back uh, with Nick Bromley, who on this occasion is going to talk to me about his other book, The Stage Ghosts and Haunted Theatres. And let's face it, who doesn't like a stage ghost and a haunted theatre? But I mean, Nick, one thing that your your book points out is that this isn't just about ghostly apparitions on stage. Ghosts in theatres get up to all sorts of things.
1: They certainly do. They certainly do. Um there are so many different forms of manifestations in theatres. You have appearances. You have audio experiences, audible experiences. You have the, the experience of being touched by a ghost, if you pardon the expression, but it, is, it does happen. And uh, the other, are, of course, seeing, seeing a ghost. So you have many, many different forms of manifestations in theatres. Uh, you have ghosts. Spirits who are seen, who are heard, who are felt, or, or just sensed in general, or you have the other particular type of 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 of, of phenomena, which is uh, the poltergeist, where things are moved from place to place, mm-hmm. and this can be pretty hard if it's if it's the prop table, which is the centre of a poltergeist attention, because the actor goes for his pick up his revolver and it's gone and it's. It's not because another actor is waiting to shoot him. It's disappeared because of a poltergeist.
0: And it seems like pretty much every theatre in the land has at least one ghost.
1: Well, well, no one, no one these days is going to say no. Uh, Although uh, no, that is not true, because when I first started compiling my list, I used to get, this is back in in the 80s, really. I I started compiling stories from various haunted theatres or theatres I, I I wrote to, I got quite a few replies saying, sadly, no, we haven't got one or no, not at all. And even two years ago, when I was completing this book, uh, one theatre in particular, uh, the the the, uh, the the general manager refused to admit that there was anything there. But his crew gave me the wink that there was, but they weren't allowed to talk about it. They'd signed an agreement
0: theaters are prone to ghosts then did you, uh, with all the that you've researched do you have a theory as to why that is uh,
1: yes I do I mean um, I think I think it's because they've they attract they have attracted and they still attract a huge amount of people over the years mm-hmm. and and I believe that the impression so, some impressions stay behind. People come to the theatre possibly to forget. Others, some people die in theatres. Uh, some people have great experiences in theatres, backstage or even front of house. Uh, quite often, quite often the ghosts seem to have been, seem to be there because of a sadness of a, of a tragedy. I, I I just feel that the walls contain so many memories Mm. that, that some of them are there to this day or for a set period of time after they have left.
0: Right. And, and your book covers West End theatre and theatres around uh, the country, uh, England, Scotland and Wales, um, that uh, all suffer from ghosts or enjoy ghosts in one, one way or another. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, or uh, the people, at least, yes, the people who have worked in them or people I know, uh, or whose basically whose stories I have believed. I mean, to prove a ghost is is pretty difficult. Is pretty difficult. But these are all stories which I have heard of people's own personal experience and experiences which have not been expected. They haven't gone on a ghost hunt, right, or or anything like that. The ghosts very seldom. They, they, as far as I know, I've never known a ghost to appear uh, to order
0: no i'm um, uh, i guess they don't just don't do that <laughs> so these are experiences that um people have told you sincerely and, and whatever we think about the likelihood of them
1: yes and uh, which i which i which i uh, i believe and and the other thing is which i which i which i hope will interest because there's an awful lot of should we say a lot of grey ladies you know there's a lot of grey ladies out there as there are a lot of you know phantom dog stories or Mm. you know or horse stories out and about throughout the british isles but 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 these i hope are are a good selection of different sort of experiences um and uh being told by a a wide selection Mm. a cross section of society uh from audiences to actors to stage crew to usherettes it's a it's it's a good mixture. It's a good mixture. It's classless.
0: As an example, I I liked your stories about the Harold Pinter Theatre.
1: Yes. Oh it yes.
0: Seems to have had yes. a particular uh, sort of a, a long ghost story attached to it, and, and not um, Harold himself, uh, as you point out in in the book. No, no,
1: no, no. Um, yes, the very curious case, the Pinter Theatre, because it, it was tied up not so much with the building, I think, but rather rather than with a playwright and a particular play which we were doing there mm. and the play was an adaptation of well it wasn't an adaptation it was a new play by an, a, 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 an author called Simon Bent and it was a title prick up your ears which yes. is the same title as the the biography of Joe Orton yes um,
0: by John Lon yeah,
1: John yes. Lark. Uh, but this was the a stage adaptation of his life with Kenneth Halliwell.
0: Yeah. And this, this came after they'd made a film of. of um,
1: oh, yes, I think so. I think so.
0: But it's slightly different from the film. Having mentioned that, I should probably add that the, the play is a just a three-hander between Joe Orton, his lover, Kenneth Han- Halliwell and uh, their landlady.
1: That is correct. So just three characters. Yeah. On, on stage. And. It was a, it was only one set and, and, um, it was very cleverly designed. The set was very cleverly designed by a, a great desi- one of our great designers, Peter McIntosh. And it was so designed that as the, as the play, which started, which, which starts quite lightheartedly, progressed and became darker, the mood became darker and the, the claustrophobia, of of their setting of where they were based grew on them the ceiling began to lower very gently so in between scenes so you wouldn't actually see it on stage moving but between it, it, during a quick scene change it would suddenly come down lower and you you weren't sure as an audience they weren't sure but they knew something was was getting yeah, clever. getting darker and, and, and smaller you know the world was decreasing decreasing on them anyway um it was a good play well directed very well acted uh, but we had the most extraordinary amount of problems backstage things seemed to go wrong uh, there was a team of three stage management myself I was on this one I was company stage manager my deputy stage manager and an assistant stage manager and things just went from bad to worse, throughout uh, every, we were on tour. Things would break, props would break, props would be mislaid, machinery wouldn't work, sound equipment would break down. It, it just wouldn't stop. And eventually, we got to London. Uh, we we were out on tour for a couple of couple of dates to to work it up, as it were. Uh, and we got to London, and um, we were really very nervous because. It, we looked idiotic because things kept moving, or you know, as as I said about poltergeists, things disappeared and then were found again. So we were looking pretty incompetent. Uh, so we get to the first night and we we got through a couple of previews, not too badly. A few things went wrong. There was uh, strange voices coming over the speaker, coming over the speaker, and then we um we got to the the first night day, and the chief electrician had a he was up on the lighting board and he had a terrible shock from the system and was thrown off it and had to be rushed to hospital and then and then just before we opened the house let the audience in a front piece of front a piece of the front of the scenery uh, suddenly fell down in front of the so we had to had to hold the house while we went up there but again you know it shouldn't have happened we started the show and everything went well pretty well A couple of things went wrong but not nothing which we you know, we thought, well, we're jinxed by jinxed. When we we were by now, sure, it was Joe. Right. It was Joe Orton. You see, we thought playing gags, playing gags on us. And uh, we got to the end, and um, at the very last scene, um, the, the poor chap has his head bashed in mm-hmm. by by Kenneth Halliwell. And uh, we 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 had this this sound effect recorded. Um. In which the director took charge of it and wielded a hammer on a big watermelon to get the, the sound of the crunch of a skull breaking, you know, one, two, three, four huge blows, sort of eerie sound. And uh, we knew that when, if the tape worked and didn't break down, and we got through the hammer blows, nothing more could go wrong. I was sitting in the in the production office with the production manager, and the first hammer blow happened. Bang. And as it happened, the sink in the office suddenly backed up, went mmm, at the same time. And it happened on each hammer blow. Now, don't tell me, you know, that's just how do you explain it? How do you explain the synchronicity of it? Yeah, well, anyway, we were sure we were sure that Joe had was had jinxed the show, and sadly, it came off a, a few weeks later. L- later on, a, f- a couple of years later, on, I was back at the same theatre with another show, and was offered a a, a production of um, to go and work on a production of what the butler saw.
0: Oh, another uh, which, Joe Autumn play.
1: Joe Orton play a Joe Orton play by by the man himself so me and the the DS, the DSM were both asked to we'd, we'd go to it and you know we, you always say yes always say yes to a job don't you you know and then we've looked at each other and thought but but, but so what's about what did he see you know we didn't know what he saw so we thought so um I rushed out uh, in between matinees on a Saturday to Charing Cross Roads, one of those old second-hand bookshops, mm. and found the collected works of Joe Orton. And on the front was a line drawing. And on the back was a, quite a famous picture of him taken in Tangiers when he was over there on his honeymoon. Oh, no, no. With Kenneth Williams. or something. I don't know what it was. But anyway, there he is sitting, sitting in a deck chair in a pair of white bathing costume, white bathing trunks, looking pretty smug. And I can't look at him all night, so I turned it back to the line drawing. And uh, throughout the evening, something turned. Whenever I came back to the office, the book had been returned back to the photograph of Joe. It happened about four times. So uh, it happened in the interval, happened during the first act, happened during the second act. Came back at the end of the show with with the little team to write up the nightly report. And I said, I'm just fed up. Look, bloody Joe, it's bloody Joe. He's, he's mucking around. Or is he? Or is it one of you? And I looked at them and one of them put their hand up and said, well, I did turn it over once. And the other girl said, um, I, I, I turned it. Yes, I did do that in the interval. I said, oh, come on. That, that's, you know, that that's two. That means there's, there's two occasions when you didn't. Who did it? It's bloody Joe. I know it's bloody Joe. And I was typing away the show report, what had happened that night. And I got to the end and I pressed save, as one did on the computer. And instead of the show report saving, the screen went totally blank. And this is in front of three of us. And a little... little. Three little words comes up, and it said, "It wasn't me."
0: that doesn't send chills up your spine, I don't know what does. No explanations, but truthfully told, so
1: truthfully told, and and, and like uh, almost like a Stephen King novel. Yeah, you know,
0: <laughs> I can yeah. imagine Joe chuckling up above.
1: Absolutely no, but pretty scary. Pretty scary. It came from nowhere.
0: And I think just to delve a little deeper into the book, we've got another fine set of stories from the Everyman Theatre in Cheltenham, which seems to have been a particularly haunted theatre. Cheltenham, sort of, uh, what's that? That's about 150 miles northwest of London. So heading out towards Wales for anyone who's not familiar, but...
1: Yes. Uh, next next stop, uh, Gloucester, Bristol. Uh, yes, yeah, so Bristol Channel. You know, over 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 the over the bridge.
0: So well out um, into the provinces and local theatre, but a very fine local theatre, actually. A, the a
1: fine theatre built by Frank Matcham.
0: Yes, who built many of our Frank
1: Matcham theatre. One of our our great theatre architects, mm. the greatest British theatre architect. Yes. I used to live close to Cheltenham, and I I knew I had a f- suspicion that. It might be the theatre might be haunted, mm. and um, so I, I got into correspondence with the, the master carpenter who uh, there at the time, and he was terribly helpful because he he, he had had some st- pretty strange experiences witnessed by others. The one which which is recorded is that um, on, on the police file somewhere is that a night watchman, there was work going on backstage and they were renovating the grid and they put up scaffolding on the stage going up to the roof. And the night watchman heard footsteps and laughter up on the top, on the the top of it. And he got worried about this, so he called the the local bill, the police. And they came round, and they heard the sound of these footsteps and shouted up, come down, and nothing happened. They couldn't see anything. This is the thing. They All they could see were shadows and, and the sound. Uh, and so they called for backup, and they got two officers with police dogs. And the police dogs were sent up ahead of the officers to mm. sort out these whoever's up there. And the police dogs turned round, and they wouldn't go up. They were too scared to go up. They came down with their tails underneath, literally tucked under, whining. And uh, I think everybody decided that it was time to call it a night and go home. <laughs> and they left. They left it. They left whatever was up there running around.
0: And I guess come morning, nothing.
1: Nothing. Nothing um which is weird um and then another night watchman again um he called he heard some noises again at the theater and called the police and they had to look around again noise coming from the fly gallery and the policeman came around couldn't find anything but the noise started again they went up there and looked Nothing there, but they heard these these noise, this movement, noises and strange things. They got a bit unnerved again. The policeman got unnerved, and they decided, well, there's nothing there, sir, so we'll make our excuses and go. And the night watchman was left alone and pretty scared. So he locked himself in his office for the duration of the night. But first thing in the morning, as daylight broke, he thought, well, you know, ghosts only at night. So he walked, <laughs> he unlocked his office, walked on stage. And there in front of them were two upright, 18-foot-high scenery flats. Mm -hmm. But they weren't standing next to each other, braced or tied together. One was on top of the other one, swaying very gently, and then it crashed to the floor. Solve that solve that
0: i'm not going to try i'm just going to leave that hanging there for everyone to ponder how that could have happened very entertaining and I co- uh, your book is packed full of 54 theaters each with its own story or stories of of different ghosts and of course a little bit of theater history uh plugged in there
1: Yeah, so of course that's very important i think so people can get a they can and get a feel of of, of 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 a type of building yes, it is a very
0: nice forward by yeah. richard o'brien no less he of the rocky rocky horror show so
1: yes indeed so i thought that was quite a but he was very kindly very kindly uh, uh wrote, wrote the forward yeah
0: excellent and this yeah. uh, as with your other book theater law is available on your
1: website L- lnp books yes lnp books
0: my thanks to nick for taking time out to talk to me As he mentioned there, if you would like a copy of Stage Ghosts and Haunted Theatres, or indeed Nick's Dictionary of Theatre Law, you can order a copy directly from him on his website at www.lnpbooks.co.uk or from your local bookshop. If you were to order a copy direct from Nick, he'll sign it for you and make sure that it's carefully packaged to survive the rigours of the postal system and get to you in pristine condition. And next time, it's back to the Elizabethan playwrights. Following on from the story of the short life and strange death of Christopher Marlowe, I'll be taking a look at his plays, starting with Tamburlaine the Great, a huge epic poem of a play that influenced his contemporaries and, some would say, kick-started the greatest period of theatrical creativity that England had ever seen. In the meantime, please join the Facebook group or page and find us on Instagram or Twitter to keep up to date with the podcast and other theatre-related stuff. If you'd like to help support the podcast, the easiest thing would be to pass on the word to anybody you think might be interested in a bit of theatre history. Or, if you have a moment, write a review and rate the podcast in your podcast app of choice. You can find details of other ways to support the podcast on the website at www.thehistoryofeuropeantheatre.com where you'll also find short biographies of all the guests who have appeared on the podcast. There's also additional content on Patreon that you can access for a small monthly fee. Details of that are also on the website and there's a link in the show notes. I look forward to your company next time, but if you do have any comments or concerns in the meantime, you can contact me by email at t-h-o-e-t-p at gmail.com or via Twitter at t-h-o-e-t-p.